to the exciting world of the movies. Smoking is not permitted in this auditorium. It's the law. Certificates are available at the box office. Thanks for helping us keep the theater clean. As you exit the auditorium, please deposit litter in trash receptacles in the lobby. Please be considerate and don't talk during the show. This is the very first edition of, as you call it, Paul, JB's Drive-In Movie Theater. And um, I can't say that I'm excited, but I'm looking forward to it. You can't say you're excited? I can't say that I'm excited because it's our first time, and, you know, I want to make sure that we do a decent enough job here. And it's a little bit different format than we're used to as well because we're only doing Facebook Live, whereas the actual podcast itself will be edited later. So I guess we'll jump right into it. What is this show about? Yes. What is this show about? Well, as, as some of you know, um, some of our faithful followers know that we did a other uh, podcast for several years, and I guess you and I just kind of got burnt out on the topic. Yep. Politics and, is not fun. Exactly. We'll, just, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. So about a month ago, I was like, I want to get back into the podcasting realm because I knew that I was going to have another child. And I knew that was going to kind of limit your ability to go out and ex- do stuff. Exactly, limits the ability to go out and do stuff. And I, but I still wanted to be able to hang out and talk about things that you and I love, um, which has always been movies. God knows we've been we've been friends for over twenty five years. I think the one thing that we really have in common is movies. I mean, I can't tell me any times that I've uh, been in your in your kitchen and you and your cousin would recite movie quotes and we try to one-up each other in terms of you know what movie that came from right so yeah essentially what we're trying to do here is we're going to be picking out movies from our childhood it's not going to be gone with the wind things like that because frankly no it wouldn't really have any effect on our lives per se no it's so it's you're looking at movies from 70s 80s 90s stuff that inspired us to you know love movies and 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 you know, even want to make movies, even though we <laughs> never had the talent to do so. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah. So essentially, what we're doing is we're going to be going back and talking about everything to do with a specific movie. In this case, we're going to be starting out with I think is is a, is a pretty good topic, a pretty good movie, and that would be Predator, a movie from 1987. Yes. Um, I I think that. It, I think it encompasses of uh, uh, both your interests and my interests um, into, into one. I think it's also a good platform show to test this, this you know, this this platform out and 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 to see what the audience likes. Now, what we're not going to be doing is doing watch-alongs. I know there's a, a whole genre of there where you actually watch along with the movie or not with the movie, but whatever you're doing. But we're just not going to do that. But go through the movie, go through the high points, and and talk about the movie itself. Yes. So let's talk about the movie Predator. Predator was released in June of 1987. It was an interesting time period because you see the waning days of the Cold War and you see its influence in this film. It was still early enough that, I mean, considering the fact that, yeah, this released in 
June of 1987, mm-hmm. but you know, it would have been filmed in 1986. And, and even though things were felt like it was coming to an end, there was still, you had the red heat. You had the, you, you know, you had those Russia, Russians were yep. the bad guys. Yep. So you still had that kind of vibe, even though it doesn't, it's not prevalent in this movie no. per se, because this is more about South Africa, South America. South sorry. America, correct, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> no, but you're dead on. So it was, it was a really interesting time. Our because we were young. We were very, we were very young. And as I was going back and research before getting to touching on Arnold, looking back at the, the movies that were coming out at this time, this this month alone, I'm just like, they don't do it now. You had the Untouchables come out this month. The Harry and the Henderson, say what you will about it. People know about it. the Witches of Eastwick. Freaking Spaceballs. Spaceballs is a classic. Full Metal Jacket. Yes. Full, I mean... Now, the weird thing is, is, is this list, um, you know, I, I have a, an affinity for almost every movie on this list, mm-hmm. but for different reasons. Um, now, The Witches of Eastwick, <laughs> that's, that's, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's an excellent film, mm-mm. but it was definitely a very strong film for the time. It was a woman-led film. I mm-hmm. mean, Jack Nicholson was in it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that the women were more of the leads, and that was kind of a big deal mm-hmm. at the time. It was. It really um, was. It really was, yes. You know, the Untouchables, you, you know, anytime you have a mafia-type movie, they're going to be big. Uh, Full Metal Jacket was a weird one because that was always two movies, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You had the the uh, boot camp, boot camp and then you had the Vietnam movie. Yep. And, they, and to be perfectly honest with you, the boot camp movie may be the best movie of all time. Mm-hmm. The Vietnam movie, not so much. Not so, it was uh, you know, I, that wouldn't even be in my top 100. <laughs> no, it's, I would say if you want a good Vietnam part, maybe we'll talk about it one day, um, would be, would be, I love Platoon. I freaking love Platoon. And, of course, Armageddon, well, well I, I don't know. Even, even so, I mean, the, the amount of um, uh, uh, influence the Vietnam War had Tremendous on any kind of action film at the time. It, case in point, Predator. Exactly. You know, all five of the people were well. Actually, all six of the people were all Vietnam vets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they all. But you know, it's the ragtag group type thing. <laughs> it's it's. I mean, I just. But when I was when I was looking at the background, thinking, should I put this in here? I was looking at the movies being released in this month. Like, good God, I know you provided a list here. Of, of of in June 2017, so that'd be 30 years later. The movies that were released, I looked at the budget for them. I mean, how much they made? Yes, but yeah, uh, I can see that was where I was. I wasn't really sure what you were trying to because you were mm-hmm. saying it was a huge month for movies, and you don't see that anymore. So I'm sitting here thinking, well, I'm literally uh, going to take the same gotcha the same month gotcha. 30 years later and give you a list and show you how much those movies were making i even did the adjusted gross mm-hmm. between for the 30 years right so like you know i only pick movies mm-hmm. that made more than, than predator than predator i mean that, that, but, except for the bumpy sorry the <laughs> but you look at this list and not one of these movies can even touch 
I mean, well, I don't know. Wonder Woman was a pretty damn good film. You put Wonder Woman was was a, was a. I want to see that was like a big tent. You're not going to look back 20 years from now and look at Wonder Woman. I, I don't know because you. I can honestly, when I looked at this list, I started making comparisons between the two mm-hmm. because you had the Wonder Woman movie, which would compare very closely to the Witches of Eastwick because right. it was a woman led movie. You had men in the movie, obviously, mm-hmm. but they were more or less secondary. Mm-hmm. You had, um, like, Transformers would be very similar to a Predator, but Transformers mm-hmm. obviously aren't gonna, isn't going to stand no. up like at, at the same no. at all. Let's focus on Predator. Yes, let's and actually I, get to the meat. And I think part of the... Oh, there's plenty of meat. Good God. Um, let's talk about one of the reasons why I picked this as the first episode of JV's Drive-In. Um, and that would be the star of the movie would be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. I... I as much as we, we can make fun of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and we will... In movies, when you when you say action and nineteen eighties, the <laughs> first the first name has to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. It, it, even even with Stallone out mm-hmm. there, I still think the number one is Schwarzenegger. But one of the biggest things about Arnold in this time period that we forget is that he wasn't really. I mean, I want to say Predator was one of the seminal moments where he kind of took the next step because if you look at it from 82 to 87 he he was in action movies that were in various like uh, critical acclaim he had you had he had like the b movie grindhouse movies like uh raw deal you mentioned red heat mm-hmm. um you you had his movie commando which was we're going to review that one of these days then you had, I, I think that his uh, coming of age movies, if you want to say, like the, what really propelled him would be um, The Terminator, Predator, and The Running Man, which was also released in 87. I think those three movies took him to the next step. Um, and I think in 87 was really when he started becoming. Oh, you, I mean, and you didn't list it here. Um, household name. But I, I think that of, of all of his movies, the one that really pushed him over the edge more than anything else was the comedy, uh, you know, the twins. Twins, and that we know we will talk about that at the end. Oh, okay. Uh, that, that is, that's a very important point. Where we talk, we will talk about the end. Abs- oh, absolutely. sorry. No, it's, oh, it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's our first show, man. It's our first show. So it's it's really you know Arnold Schwarzenegger. This this predator is is, is absolutely a stepping stone for him. Now, let's talk about how the movie, the idea of Predator, came to be. Well, you had these, these two brothers, Jim and John Thomas, who were on a beach one day. One of them had, like, was laid up with a back, back injury, and they were talking about writing a movie. Um, and they, they thought about this. What would it be like, as a human, to be hunted by a hunter from another planet, the way we, the way that we hunt big game in Africa, and they had this initial idea of like these these um, a brotherhood of hunters coming to a planet and hunting various species, and uh, they kind of shelved that idea in favor of, okay, what is what is the preeminent predator in on Earth, and that would be army guys, yeah, I mean, human like human hunters. And then, so that's how the idea of, of Predator came to be. Now, the idea, now the, going back and looking at having a bunch of Predators, that was eventually revisited in 2010, Predator. You mean Predators? Predators, sorry. Predators. Yes. 
They drew upon yeah, this. You have to, you have to specify. Sorry, Predators. <laughs> two thousand. That was starring uh, Brody. Uh, he was big back in two thousand. That wasn't he? Uh, he was on the end of his, the his, end of his career. popularity. Like I think his popularity was more drama driven, and it was probably earlier two thousands. And 2000s. he was towards the, towards the end of it then because he was doing that, and then he did King Kong, and that yeah. really kind of killed him. Absolutely, absolutely, uh, absolutely, freaking literally. That did that did kill him. Maybe we'll do that movie too. Um, but they, they, the, the Thomas brothers really looked at, they drew from mythology to this idea of Predator, looked at Greek Roman mythology. What's funny is that they decided that their first script was uh, referred to as Hunter. Yes. But they ditched that because there was, a, apparently, there was another movie that I'd never even heard of. Nope. Back in 84. Uh, called Hunter. Called Hunter. Called Hunter. Called, called Hunter. Yeah, and they didn't want to confuse the two. Exactly. Which happens a lot. Exactly. I mean, new names do get reused, but it's generally not within the first within a couple years of each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and I mean, and, and this series alone, the, the naming on these movies have been horrible. I mean, Predator was a great name, yes. uh, but then you have Predator Two, which <laughs> there was no subtitle on that. It was just Predator Two. Predator something. Then you about. had Aliens versus Predator, mm-hmm. which was of of course everybody wanted to see. Everybody wanted to see. But it. then Aliens versus Predator Requiem. Mm-hmm. It's like, eh, that's a kind of a horrible name. But more or less, what I was trying to get to was Predators mm-hmm. and the latest movie, The Predator. The Predator. <laughs> it's interesting because uh, after, like after we get predator. after we get through the Predator movie itself, we're yeah. going to talk a little about about the Predator and what happened to it afterwards, as we will with every movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's interesting you bring up. I just thought the naming conventions was, on these on these particular just, movies is just horrible. Just like, I mean, you know, you come up with a great like a phenomenal idea for a, a villain. Hunters become the hunted. I, I, I think I, that would even be a slightly better. The hunters become hunter the hunted. Be, you know, that would be a good subtitle. That would that really would. What eventually happened is they submitted this script after they wrote to a bunch of different executives across a different um, production warehouses, and they got constantly rejected. And it wasn't until they literally slipped the script under a Fox producer by the name of Mike Levy. They, I mean, literally slipped it, physically slipped the script underneath his door. This gentleman named Mike Levy found it, read it, thought it was fantastic, and then uh, handed it to uh, another guy at Fox by the name of John Davis, who is a producer. And here's the, here's the, here's the clinch. John Davis also produced Commando. Oh, okay. So there is a connection with Arnold. He read the script. He liked it. He said, you know what? We're going to produce. And this is a key thing that, that, that they liked about it. When they read it, at first you could see, well, this could kind of be perceived as a, as a war movie, but it was never, ever to be a war movie. Right. And, and was, we've had talks about this mm-hmm. leading up to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the first thing... You you remit, you think of Predator and you immediately think that it's that that it is it's a war movie it, that that just something weird happens in this war picture mm-hmm. but it's when you sit down and watch it it doesn't follow that trope at all it, it's definitely the horror the standard horror trope that that 
of the one killer that can't be stopped, mm-hmm. and he's taking people out one by one. Mm-hmm. It's it's very straightforward horror flick. Very very straightforward. And as we work through the actual movie itself, it's just, it'll I, become apparent. It's it's so apparent. <laughs> So what happened was uh, uh, Davis got this director who, who's a little-known director. He just came off his first movie called Nomads called John McTiernan, who ended up doing... Yeah, Nomads. I, I actually looked that up. I still have no idea what the hell that is. Never heard of it. This John McTiernan ended up doing Die Hard and the Thomas Crown Affair. You'll find out as we talk about Predator... There's a lot of connections to some fantastic movies. Yeah, and and it's very incestuous. I mean, it's it so really incestuous. is. I mean, especially when you look at, uh, you know, some of the writers on this, and then you look at the cast, not just on this movie, but if you actually look at the cast of Predators Two, mm-hmm. and then look at the writers. Yeah, we'll get to it, uh, but it, it's it's very incestuous. It is. It's very, and, that, and that, the thing is, that's how Hollywood is. Yeah, it, and, and if it's funny, you hear that. But as you study movies, how they become developed, the, the players that are involved, I mean, it really is incestuous. It's yeah. like you're helping your buddies out. Yeah, so, that's it. I mean, everybody. And here's a you know perfect example. Before we move on, you know. You said you had a producer that got Arnold involved in mm-hmm. this movie. Mm-hmm. If Arnold is not in this movie, is this movie? First off, does this movie happen? Secondly, is this anything that you're talking about thirty, you know, thirty some years later? Because I don't, I don't think so. I really don't. I think mm-hmm. Arnold. I don't. I think if you replace Arnold with Sylvester Stallone, it doesn't work. Even though, I agree. Even though Rambo is in the wonderful. In Vietnam, yeah. You know, I, Rambo, First Blood was a phenomenal film. Phen- yeah. You know, the, the follow-up Rambos became more and more ridiculous. But the original First Blood was a really, really good film. Mm. Um, Underrated, absolutely. I just don't think that he could have pulled this off. Because with Arnold, as big as Arnold is... You know, when we get later into the, when we start actually going through the movie and get towards the end, mm. he's very, it makes it, it makes the predator seem so much stronger mm. because Arnold is so big. Yep. Okay. So they got John McTiernan involved and they, and they sent out this, uh, you know, a scout where they're going to shoot at. They, they settled on, uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, which is on the, the uh, west coast of uh, Mexico. Now, isn't that a resort type area? It is. Or? It is. It is, okay. it is a resort. I thought type it area. was. They did, let's. In the end, you're going to find out that they didn't really have the best like site director, site scout about it. But before we get into this, I thought it was the two pieces are just interesting here. This is a movie that eventually had two governors in it. Yes, Ventura and Schwarzenegger. Yes, and at the time, you could have probably. Uh, bet somebody the ranch that would have never happened and just made a mint. Uh, you, if anybody, I think Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but, but seriously. But definitely not two, Schwarzenegger. Two former governors. I, I think they were two, the least two, likely. Yeah, the least. Ventura, a yes. wrestler, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, a former Mr. Olympia. Yeah. Who broke in with, what, uh, Hercules in New York and pumping iron. We can never do pumping iron. No. <laughs> that just will, will not work. But here's something about... I've got the feeling of coming in the morning. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a horrible, what, 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 horrible scene. What a, but it's a great movie. It really is. Yeah. So, so here's, here's, here's a funny little aside before we get into the movie. 
And this is something you'll find with the, with the actors. They were really competing against each other when they were down because they're all big guys. They, yeah. were, they were drafted on purpose. Definitely a lot of ego a lot, on this film. A lot of ego. So Arnold actually had an entire gym shipped down on trucks to the ballroom they were staying at. So, so they were staying in a hotel. Mm-hmm. The ballroom was set up as this big gym. And what would happen is Arnold and Carl Weathers and all the guys would pretend they didn't work out a whole lot, but they were naturally big. And they waited till the others weren't around, and they would go into Arnold's gym, his makeshift gym, and, like, work out. These guys would work out for three hours a day. Yeah. It was their thing. It was just them busting each other's, each other's balls. Even, like, uh, Carl Weathers was a really big instigator. He would always brag because you know, they would work out in the morning. Is I don't need to work out. I'm naturally big. And then at, like, 5 o'clock in the afternoon when everybody's off eating or whatever, he would sneak into the gym and work out. And then work out again at night. They had two workouts a day. Yeah. So, all right. So I think it's a good setup for the movie itself. How it came to how it came to be. You had the director on board. You had the brothers uh, who drew, uh, wrote the script. And uh, I guess we'll get into the movie itself. What do you think? Works for me. So it starts off with this spaceship shot, and it's horrible. And John McTiernan agreed with it. It was horrible. They actually wanted to have another scene inside the spaceship. This hokey-looking spaceship would have totally ruined it. And John traded a scene later in the movie that he didn't want. That he knew that he, he did one in there. He said, "Okay, you can take that scene out, but I don't want this this interior shot of the spaceship that you're going to use." Okay, and I agree with McTiernan. <laughs> I I don't think it. I mean, come on. When you eventually see the Predator in the second half of the movie, you really think he's he came from Earth. You don't need that. It's just it's so cheesy, and the graphics are horrible. So what happens? You see the the spaceship fly by Earth. A little rocket ship launches out of it, and that's apparently... Yeah, it almost the, looks like an escape pod. It, it's just... It's, 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 it's so freaking cheesy. It's just not... It, I don't think... It, it, it's definitely not necessary. No. Because, like you said, there's no way you're going to think that this is from Earth somehow. Yeah. It's, and and even, even if you did, then you're leaving it open for, like, a whole different dimension. Yeah. Because once you get into the Alien vs. Predator... You know, you have the whole, you know, the Aztecs and the all that bullshit where they were, the Predators have been coming here forever. Yeah. And, you know, they were fighting, initially they were fighting them and they were fighting the Aztecs and then they brought the alien on and fought the alien. All that crazy nonsense. All that, which is, there, and there's more of that in the actual, on our show today. We're going to talk about how they have, uh, what the, the crossover with aliens is. Okay, so you see this spaceship, the next thing you know, you see... Arnold and his crew, he's, uh, he's in charge of this special forces uh, army um, a group of guys that are all muscle-bound guys as well. They're all muscle except for, I'd say, um, what's his name, Hawkins. Shane Black's character, Hawkins. Yeah, I think that there was two guys, actually. Hawkins I think you had Poncho. Hawkins and Poncho, Poncho that were just kind of like, mm-hmm. they were there. They were, and, they were and there. And the reason was and i'm sure you're going to get to it one of them was a writer yes yes and <laughs> so, i will get to that and that's <laughs> and it's and that be, and that besets the whole you know ancestral relationship once you get into the predator 2 which he was uh, a lot more involved with the writing on that correct and all the people that were involved in it and blah 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 go ahead correct so then you see carl weathers who happens to be cia agent dylan he's in a suit and drinking in this just i don't know like this shanty that's on the beachhead of some south american country yeah 
and you see the helicopter land and out pops all of Arnold's crew. And of course, Arnold's the last one out. Well, and, and another weird thing that I saw was everybody kind of had the suits. You know, Weathers was in like a suit and they were all, I don't understand if they're going to a <laughs> South African jungle or South American jungle, mm-hmm. why the hell are they wearing suits when they why, show up? Why the hell? Exactly. Why the hell? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's one of those things, you, you know. Of he, course, except for Jesse, which, yeah. you know, we'll get to in five seconds. We'll get but to go yeah. ahead. And it's funny because you, you, you talk about Carl Weathers. He was actually drafted to be on the movie because John McTiernan wanted an actual actor. Yes. Someone, he wanted Carl Weathers for the position. As just, the, the veteran actor. As the veteran actor, exactly. Which, what does that tell you? Yeah. I mean, Jesus, he's the veteran actor. Yeah. What is it? What does that tell you? It's all, yeah. Yeah. Which is also thinking, you know, Sylvester Sloan, Carl Weathers is also. Carl Weathers is what? What? Carl Weathers is also who? In, in Rocky? In Rocky, he yeah. was Apollo Creed. Yeah. So you got that connection as well. Anyway, so you got the heroes come out. It's a uh, Mac who's played by Bill Duke has a, uh, well, we'll talk about him. Then you have Billy. He's played by Sonny Landon, Blaine by Jesse, the body Ventura, Blaine, Poncho by Chavez and Hawkins by Shane Black. And of course, and, and you see Arl coming out and his cigar that he's carrying that he's smoking cause he's a badass. They actually had to uh, edit in some light cause it wouldn't light down there. Um, and, the idea, as we mentioned before, was to have all these guys, the, 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 the individuals involved with this, have some type of, of military training. Right. They want to have some type of military training. That was important to give a, a sense of realism to a story that had an alien come from the outer space to blow all these people up. You had something to say about Bl- the name of Blaine? Ben yeah, uh, well, Jesse, of course, at the time when I first saw this movie, I knew Jesse Ventura more than... Personally? No, 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 no. I meant more than the other people in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even really know Carl Weathers that much, even though I had seen, you know, Rocky, but I, you know, I mm-hmm. at the time when I first saw this, Jesse Ventura jumps off because, you know, I was a wrestling guy. I, mm-hmm. I love wrestling. Yep. Um, his character's name being Blaine. The big deal with that was, was like Blaine was super big mm-hmm. in like the mid to you know late eighties. So like you're looking at eighty two through maybe eighty six. Blaine was a big name. You had um, uh, Blaine from uh, what was it, sixteen candles. Was it sixteen was candles? It, I think it was. Yeah, it was sixteen candles. Uh, that was the James Spader character. Mm-hmm. Um, there you would you would see it a lot more in '80s films mm-hmm. than you would see it any other time. Yes. So it was kind of weird to me to see the name Blaine because it's like, okay, well, these guys are supposed to be coming right out of Vietnam, Vietnam. and I, I, you know, the name was definitely not that popular prior mm. to the 1980s. No. Now, granted, like I said, it it popped up in a lot of movies, so you had a lot of kids being named that at the time, mm. which, you know, that I guess that's how that shit works. Um, but still, it was just weird to me because I couldn't relate the name. I, it's just, it, to me, it's... And I'm not picking on anybody named Blaine, of course, but it's course just not. not a strong, like... Masculine Masculine name. name. Right. It, it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not... When, right. you have, when you're trying to have all these 
overbearingly muscular, crazy guys out there. Blaine right. is not the guy that I'm right. looking for. Right. Um, but the other thing I saw was, like I said, all the guys came out of the, ex- you know, except for Arnold, who was more dressed down. Yes. Um, the only other person that was dressed down was Jesse. Mm-hmm. Jesse walks out wearing an MTV shirt. Now, at the time, of course, once again, this is like a huge big deal because at the same time in wrestling you had the MTV crossovers Mm -hmm. so MTV was like still very young very much in its infancy when this movie was going on even Mm -hmm. though it had been around for a couple years like it wasn't it was huge yet right it was like kind of like Arnold was he was in his infancy of his acting career right so to so he, him being on there wearing the MTV shirt and then knowing that he's a wrestler mm-hmm. and he had all this wrestling crossover between, you know, Cindy Lauper and they, they actually had a show on MTV for a little while. Nobody seems to remember that, but there was all the rock and wrestling mm-hmm. that was going on yep. stuff at the time. So it was kind of like a big deal. And it yeah. just stood out to me when I was just rewatching the movie the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, that he had the MTV. I thought it was, that was, that was awesome. Yeah. And then it, the, the whole the crossover, yeah. So, so, so what happens is you see Arnold and his band of uh, baddies eventually come into this little shanty where Carl Weathers Dylan is hanging out, and I think this is like one of the one of the uh, I don't know. I just like the interaction between them. You son of a bitch! What's the matter? The CIA got you pushing too many pencils. So we have. Arnold Schwarzenegger finds out with the help of, of um, Carl Weathers' character, Dylan, that they are tasked with finding a cabinet minister who was abducted by a bunch of girls. Weathers wasn't part of the, or Dylan wasn't part of the original crew, or Arnold's team because they're really tight, and he said he was going to go with them. Arnold had some, some apprehensions about it, was like, all right, fine. Uh, yeah, I think that he didn't want a babysitter. Didn't want a babysitter because they do their things their own way. Yeah, well, and that's pretty standard fare back in the 80s. Well, I don't even want to say just in the 80s. It just it kept on going like that. Yep. Yes, sir. So then he all gathers up the guys. Next thing you see is a really cool helicopter scene. Now, originally what they tried to do with this helicopter scene, and they had the music in the background with a... What was it? Some Sally? Okay, I don't know. It was uh, Miss Sally. Something Miss Sally. There's something Miss Sally. Yeah, something Miss Sally. I can't remember. Sorry. They, it's okay. So they originally tried to do it with a blues. It's the only song that they actually had in the whole movie. You know what? Way. You're right. I never even thought about it. You're right. Yeah. So, so um, you see them above the jungle with some pre-edits or whatever, what have you, with, with helicopters above the jungle. And in the interior shots, they tried to shoot with a blue screen, and that didn't work out, so they actually had to fly three Hueys down there and use those um, to some expense. And that's when you really start getting the sense of the, the people involved, like the different dynamics with Shane Black's character, Hawkins, making the pussy jokes. Yeah, I... I... I don't know why it was even in the movie. There was just some things that were in this movie that just didn't need to be there, but they always seem to have that character. So that's not a, that is a trope character to have in a war movie. Yeah. 
that, and that was kind of where the weirdness to this all came to be. Like all these characters are the the different characters that you would expect in a war yeah. movie. It was, it was, yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. You know, the different tropes, different stereotypes of characters you have in a war movie. I yeah. think, that, I mean, it was almost like GI Joe on steroids, mm-hmm. <laughs> but to me, I think it's brilliant. I, I honestly think it's brilliant. No, no, it works. I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not questioning it. I'm just, I think it's absolutely brilliant for what happens. And I'll discuss a little more, but I think it's brilliant. Get that stinking yeah. shit out of my face. Slap-jawed faggots around here. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Just like me. Yeah, scrap this on your sore-ass plane. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that that was even necessary. Make you a sexual tyrannosaurus. It, some of the, I, I guess because of the time, like listening to it now, uh, you know, or watching it now, I think at the time it was fine. Mm-hmm. There was nothing wrong with it at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it's 2018, mm-hmm. and you know, is it really necessary for the faggot line? Is it really necessary for? I don't know that it was all that necessary. You know what I mean? I mean, it's their army guys. It's how they talk. You know, I, and and I don't disagree. Um, but there was also, you know, because the acting. Arnold's acting was never he was never going to win an Academy Award. Never going to win an Academy Award. Um, But then like it almost felt like most of the other people in the movie were acting down to Arnold's level instead of (laughs) you know instead of the other way around. They might have been sir. So uh, it it does tend to a lot of lines being told Mm that aren't necessary. A lot of lines that are being told just a, I don't know. I don't know what the hell. Go ahead. That's <laughs> okay. So eventually they repel down to this jungle to, to, to find these uh, insurgents. And as they repel down, I, I felt that the music and the sound effects of this initial scene, this initial scene when they're going through the jungle were phenomenal i just i love the atmosphere that was created now speaking of atmosphere when i said earlier about 10 15 minutes ago about how the the the, uh, site director might not have been doing his job correctly if you look at the background and i didn't notice that when i was young i'm sure you didn't know i definitely didn't didn't notice notice at all but in the in the west coast of Mexico, these are all deciduous trees, which means they shed their leaves pursuant to the season. Right. So when they were shooting, the season was turning. Two weeks into the shot, all the damn leaves fell off the trees. <laughs> Even a New York Times critic said that it looked like they were walking in the backyard of somebody in New Hampshire's house or something like that. And see, I don't know. I guess because we were younger, we didn't notice it. And and I'll be honest, even sitting down and watching it now, unless you're looking for it, mm-hmm. you're not really noticing it. No. You're really, you're really not I mean, I could see it. how a film critic would jump on something like that, mm-hmm. but... I think the normal viewer, unless you're specifically looking for it, you're not seeing. No, you're not. You're not seeing. I did. I did not notice it until actually, I was prompted to look through it, look for it through the uh, director's commentary and the different things I was reading about. I was like, "Oh shit, you're right. They are." Yeah. Mickey even noticed. Like, yeah, you're. They're right. They're right. <laughs> they're, they're absolutely right. And um, 
they actually had a leaf crew of 30 to 40 guys who carry around bags of leaves wherever they were at just to throw down green leaves. Yeah. Well, but then, you know, you have the, the later scene where they just annihilate the whole jungle anyway. So was it really necessary? <laughs> There's a reason why they did that. We'll get to that. Okay. Only when JB's driving. That's what we do here. Um, but it was still hot. So hot that a lot of the actors lost weight. I know Arnold Schwarzenegger lost 25 pounds. Um, some of the actors lost weight. The only actor that, or the only individual involved who lost weight that wasn't on purpose was the director, John McTiernan, and that's because he ate a lot of the food that was in town. Yeah, he got sick. He got sick a lot. A lot. Yeah. Well, most of the, I think most of the crew got sick too, didn't they, mm-hmm. With uh, because of the water? Yes. I mean, and because this is just, once again, Long Tall Sally. Long, there it is, Long Tall Yeah, it's on the screen. Oh, I was it. waiting for it by Little Richard, Long Tall oh, Sally. I knew it was something, Sally. I just couldn't remember what the hell the name was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. Um. So, so you see them looking around for uh, the camp, and they come across they come across a down helicopter, which was apparently from a previous search mission. And Arnold's getting a little skeptical. Is like, okay, you're not telling me the entire truth to Dylan, and Dylan's blowing him off. And Sonny, the Indian guy, the Indi- the Indian character, also beefed up. He started also a trope character. Also a trope character. Are we getting to that, or, or are we just we are, pointing we, it out? We okay. are just, we are pointing that out. We are pointing that. We'll talk about the different actors when we get to their death scenes. Okay, that would be kind of doing. Go ahead. So he's kind of he's he, you know he's he's more in touch with the earth. So he's yeah. skeptical, spiritual, spiritual guy. That's, that's all. Right. Every Indian character. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, Even now, they still do it. Wind talker. Wind, yeah, wind talker. That was such a bad. That's movie. such a Nicholas. We are eventually into a Nicholas Cage movie. It's gonna do Nicholas every Nicholas Cage yeah, movie. We, we have to. God, Nicholas Cage is awesome. He is. He's underappreciated. He he. I love him. He really is underappreciated. Even when he's horrible, I Even love when him he's a, because he he. Well, there's a reason why we love him. There is a reason why I love him because he gets into his characters. Put the bunny. Put the down. <laughs> We, we are going to do Connor eventually. So Sorry. has nothing they, to do with this it's shit. It's okay. Hey, got to do what you got to do. So as they're searching, they find, they, they, they find the helicopter in the train, and, and that actually happens in one of the helicopters they ship down there. And uh, as Billy, the Indian guide's son, he's looking around, he finds, and this is when I was a kid, I was just like, holy shit. They find the, he finds the, uh, and it's, it's a perfect scene because he thinks he sees something between the leaves and he pushes the leaves aside and it's like, blah, you know, there's, there's three guys skinned alive, just right. hanging upside down from the trees. And it's just, and that's when he's freaked out and Arnold finds a dog tag and the dog tag represents this guy Hopper who happens to be a green beret he knew from, I think Fort Bragg. Yeah. I, I, don't Fort, I think remember. it's Fort Bragg. And he's like, goes to Dylan Carwell. This guy's like, what the, okay, what the hell is going on here? Right. What, what, this, I know these guys. These guys are good. Mm-hmm. You know, why are they up in tree? And, of course. Now, before you go on, I, I think it's interesting to point out at this point. Um, you know, obviously, this was before CGI. CGI really did not exist at this point. They had effects in movies, um, which, you know, of course, you see the effects with the Predator, which we'll get into in a little bit. But, you know, you have um, 
you didn't have CGI, mm-hmm. which means that you had to go with the old school, you know, the mm-hmm. blood and guts that was on the ground was probably, you know. Sausage. and Yeah, sausage with covered in caro syrup and shit. Right. Um, you know, you had the, the half mutilated bodies. I, my question to you is, do you feel that that looks more realistic or do you think that nowadays it's more realistic with the, and, and we're going to get into this again once we get to the, the <laughs> which we're about to come up to, but yeah. yes, I prefer this than CGI. CGI is supposed to be used in my, in my opinion, sparingly. I think this, I, I prefer to see material. Well, and, and I think if you're doing a Jurassic park, mm-hmm. I think CGI works fine. Um, I think they did that. I think they did exceptionally well in the original Jurassic Park with CGI. But we will we will do Jurassic Park probably beginning of next year sometime. But that was three, you know another six seven years after mm-hmm. this movie. So mm-hmm. it, it you know it's there is no CGI. This is all old school effects. Yep. Old school you know the you know Tom Savini type effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. and you know I personally like the old school effects. Me too. Now there is definitely room for CGI in my mm-hmm. opinion, but mm-hmm. I like old school effects. I think once you put in too much CGI, it, it just chintzy. Yeah. Especially it, the CGI that you saw in like the two thousands. Well that and even nowadays, because now since everybody can do CGI, the levels of CGI are are so vast. Mm-hmm. Like you can watch like a top rated movie where they're spending hundreds and hundreds of you know you know a hundred million dollars on it. There, it's going to look perfect like a Marvel movie. Yep. You know you're going to see very few situations where Iron Man doesn't look great. Yep. Um, yep. But at the same time, you have those crap movies like you know the Rings. Uh, you know, the CGI in rings was horrible mm-hmm. um, in for how it should be now. I mean, it, it definitely should have been a lot better. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. I, I, my, I diatribe. And this is also the part where we were, we're slowly introduced to the Predator. And it's, and it's introduced to him by his vantage point. So it switches to this, this infrared camera view almost of that of of Arnold's Arnold's troops. Right. And I thought this was a brilliant idea of how to introduce Predator, the Predator, slowly. But it was absolutely brilliant. Because there's nothing more terrifying than the idea that something is watching you. Yes. And you don't know what it is or where it's at. That's why Jaws work so well. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be doing Jaws Memorial Day weekend of next year. That's a freaking must. Okay. I freaking post over back there. No. Anyway, so you have that slow introduction, and here's. I was looking forward to this part. I was looking forward to this part so much for two things, because it's ridiculous. But I think it's also another scene that are why I think this is a, a phenomenal horror movie. So Dutch's team, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, reaches the the insurgent camp. Yes, and I love the stereotypical of Arnold looking through the the binoculars, even though he's right up their ass. You see the CIA, the quote CIA agent getting uh, getting executed. 
Arnold goes and sneaks down, gets like this truck that has been repurposed for water or something else, like the machine. I don't. I, I, I thought it was powering the whole village. Power, to be perfectly honest pow, with you, powering the and this is a stereotypical village in the eighties. Let's it go, and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, this is over you, so over the top. You want to talk about some over the top shit. I watched this scene two, three times yesterday. Yeah. Just because I was like, it can't be this ridiculous. I mean, they took, apparently it took two weeks to rig the the set for all the explosions. It looked like they took Commando, condensed it into like five minutes. Yes. And just threw it in the Predator. I'm like, Dad, God damn it. Not only that, but they also threw in the, you know, Dutch's first one-liner. Yes. Stick around. What followed was a complete overkill. Well, I mean, and, and like I, I had said to you earlier this week, that, that action quip just felt so out of place. It just did, like, up to this point, it had been pretty damn serious. It, the movie overall had been pretty damn serious. Yes. Um, and from that point on, from the stick around. Stick around. And then uh, oh. moving forward in the movie, they started popping up more and more often as the movie went on. And of course, we can't forget when um, Blaine and um, Poncho... Poncho is shooting off uh, grenades up top somewhere because uh, surgeons were apparently hiding up in the cliff as well. Yeah, there's there's one guy who so shoots a fucking grenade, grenade launcher. launcher at him. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> you're hit. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. Huh. Okay. Oh, I, ain't, <laughs> I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> That's, oh, that was my favorite line. Come on. I ain't when, got time to believe. Well, even when I was a kid, I remember that, like, that is an awesome line. It is, but it, it, stick, it stuck with me. Oh. I love that line. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I shouldn't say it was my favorite line because, of course, Arnold's oh. favorite lines later on in the movie, yes. but um, it, it's up there. It's definitely up there. But when he comes around the corner, see, that was another thing. Like, I would, I, Totally was in just into Jesse Ventura in this movie. Yeah. I loved him. Yes. I mean, and, and wrestling had a huge amount to do with that. Mm-hmm. But then where do you go next? He's walking around with a goddamn minigun off of a bottom. I'm like, the first time I'm watching this, I'm like, what the hell is that? I mean, I literally had to kind of look it up and find out that it was like a gun off of a helicopter. I'm like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. But then he turns around and he... You know, there's two guys, and he unloads a hundred rounds, and two guys standing there. It's, just, yeah. it's so ridiculous, it's so over the top, phenomenal. It's just, and the thing is, if you notice the scene, this whole entire destruction scene, there was always two guys. What do you mean? Always two, two insurgents. There was never three or five or six. Oh yeah, yeah. It was yeah. always like they kill the same guys like over and over again. <laughs> they could, have. and they were like on those machines that project the guy into the air. Like no matter what happened, he could be shooting a pistol, the guy would explode and like fly ten feet up I, in the air. I, I like how you keep calling them insurgents. I, I don't know. I just said <laughs> insurgents. This is their country. We're the insurgents. <laughs> It's my bias, I guess. I don't know. But it's just, I just, I enjoyed watching the scene over and over and over yes, again. Yes, it's so I was, I was over laughing. the top. I was laughing. 
but I thought it was brilliant because it, it, it you're talking about a horror movie with a war bat. I just, I just love that. I love that. We don't get enough of that these days. And we, it didn't seem like it, it really, I mean, it was definitely a lot of blood and guts in this movie. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but it didn't, the blood and guts didn't seem over the top. It was the explosions and the, just the, the mere carnage of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the next thing, like uh, getting back to our CGI conversation, you had the explosions in this part. Um, they, uh, like you said, they, it took them two weeks to rig it up to do all these explosions. Mm-hmm. If they, I, one thing I do not think is done well in CGI is fire and explosions. Oh, it doesn't have the depth. It does not have the depth at all. And I was talking to Mika about this. Yeah. It does not, you don't see that CGI is just too fantastical. I don't think it can really capture the essence of a rigged explosion. The no, smoke where it goes, the fire where it goes. No, I think depth. that it, it's just it, fire is unpredictable, and that's what makes fire awesome. You know, that's Amen. why that's why when you watch a movie like Backdraft, you're just like, that was really cool. I agree. Um, but there, it just doesn't work in CGI. The only time I've actually seen it work in CGI was like Surtur and in Thor Ragnarok where he was a fire monster, yeah, but, but that's you know, different. That's, I mean, that's, that's a, a fantastical creature. Yeah. You know? it, it was a lot different. I agree. I agree. So then, okay. So everybody <laughs> about 400 insurgents die. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it, was, it could have been three for all we know, three, just from different angles. <laughs> they they could all have been shooting the same guy. 4,000 rounds of ammunition and three hobos. So <laughs> <laughs> like the actual camp is over that way. And then, uh, you know, of course, they, they barge into the room where people are just happen to be holding papers because that's what happens when you're getting invaded. You hold papers. And then um, Carl Weathers' character, Dylan, comes in. This is what we've been looking for. And Arnold's like, bullshit. <laughs> this is bullshit. This is a crock of shit. Um, and then, and then um, I think he comes clean saying, yeah, there wasn't a defense minister. These guys were going to invade whatever other country there was. And you were the only guys that could do it because Hopper and those guys couldn't. So that's when Arnold realized he can't trust Dylan. Well, and he told him straight up at the beginning that they were not assassins. Yeah. They will not go in and assassinate. They are search and rescue. Which they which end up being an F and lie. Right. But it doesn't matter with this movie. No. <laughs> it doesn't. It's such a secondary it, thing. Such and a, it doesn't play out in no. any way, shape, or form. That was it. That was the entire <laughs> plot of how to get on there. Meanwhile, you have as as a meanwhile out in the field, Sonny. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Billy. Yeah, Billy. Sonny's character was still looking around, all skeptical, saying, "Somebody out there and all that." And of course, um, Hawkins makes another pussy joke. The other day, I was going down to my girlfriend. I said to her, "Jace, you got a big pussy." Jace, you got a big pussy. She said, "Why did you say that twice?" And I said, "I didn't." See. And I thought this was really good. This is one of the the scenes I remember as a child when my dad took me to see this when I was 10 years old. My dad was a really good dad. (laughs) Um, I don't care. I want to see the movie. Um, When he went down and picked up the scorpion. 
and you saw the infrared um, scorpion, like the outline of the scorpion on the predator's yeah. hand. I love that scene. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, it had the exact opposite effect for me. I, I don't know why. It was just one of those scenes where I was just like, I it didn't work for me with the um the infrared. Like I mean I get it but it like when he first picks it up it looked like it was reddish. Like it but it should have been dead already so it should have just been white. And then it turn and then when he put it in the middle of his hand and you could definitely see it and it was all white I'm just like eh. Which is, I don't know why it just didn't work for me, but which is interesting because as a side note to this whole scene where you see them in the infrared, yeah, the they had some really bad complications with how they were getting these special effects, and whatever device they were using picked up body heat. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, it was so damn hot down there then that they were like, you know, everybody's body temperature is so so high, and so is the ground that we can't see shit with this, right? So spray them all with water. The water is so damn hot. It's like, no, no, no. Spray the bodies down. She's fine. With cold water. Yeah. Which eventually they did, and they got the scene right. But I thought that was a, a kind of a... They really struggled with how to operate the, the Predivision or, or what have you. Anyway, so they go to the next scene, and then, of course, they, they capture the heroine. And what is it about all movies that the, the heroine is always exotic? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I never really paid much attention yeah. to it. I mean, you know me, I'm not, um, I'm not one to pay attention to race or, or color or anything like that. So it, it never really paid attention to that, but you're right. I mean, it's you know, always exotic red people. heat, it was, yeah. uh, oh God, I can't remember that Russian chick's name. Um, but it was always some kind of eccentric type exactly. woman. That shows you who Arnold is. Yeah, I mean, Except and, and Schreiber. Well, <laughs> he just want to marry the Kennedys, right? He's marrying the whitest woman known to man. There you but go. at the same time, he's sleeping with the the Mexican maid <laughs> <laughs> or Puerto Rico, whatever, well, whatever the hell whatever she, she was. Is. <laughs> so, um, I think this is uh, back to the actual movie itself. This is where the movie kind of turns. You had that whole, and we're only here. Um, you had the whole turn, the whole war type background, which is a great setup. And now the hunters are going to become the hunted, and that's where we're going to leave it off. Leave it off for now. That'll leave us a good segue into next week's uh, part two episode of Predator where the Predator hunts Arnold and his band of army brats. We also discuss uh, what happened to Arnold after the franchise, uh, what happened to the franchise itself. Lots of good information. In the meantime, make sure to look for us on Facebook at JB's Movie Podcast. Look for us on SoundCloud at JB's Movie Podcast. Shoot us an email at jbsmoviepodcast at gmail.com. And we also have Facebook, of course. JB's Movie Podcast, Twitter to come. Listen, we appreciate you giving a shot. Send us an email. Send us a like, what have you. Um, we we want to know what you like about the show and what you don't like about the show. We're here for you. We're not making money off it. It's a hobby for us. So with that being said, make sure you subscribe where you can and uh, download us on iTunes, SoundCloud, what have you. Look forward to you listening to the episode next week. Have a good one.